as I began to think about what we were going to talk about in the hearing from God class, I thought that it's good to go back and review sort of the way God set things up. Was he expecting Adam to hear from him? And so I want to go all the way to back to Genesis. We're going to go to chapter 2. And starting in verse 7, I'm reading from the ESV, Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living soul. Your version may say, my version actually says creature, most say a living being. The Hebrew is soul. He had a body, he had a soul, but his soul did not come to life until what happened? God breathed into him. His, the breath is also, in the, in the Hebrew and the Greek, it's the same word. Breath and wind and spirit are all the same word. God breathes into something. When Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to his disciples, what does he do? He breathes on them. The spirit is pneuma, soul, suke, where we get our word, psyche, psychiatrist, psychology. The psychologist is someone who helps you with the soul. We defined that last week uh, as the mind, will, and emotions. So the body in Greek is sark, the soul is suke, and the spirit pneuma. So God puts the man in the garden to keep it. He also says in verse 18, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. That word helper gives people a lot of pause. Historically, it has been used to say that women are subservient. Subservient, thank you. There are probably some other, other terms that have been used. The word is used most often in the scripture of God as our helper. He is in no way beneath us. He's in no way uh, less than us, than the man. This is someone who can help him. I believe that Adam needed help. And part of the reason he needed help may not be the reasons most of us think he needed help. I believe Adam needed help because he needed someone to give to. He was just there. As a recipient living in the garden, yes, we might say he needed a companion, but probably in the mind of God, he needed someone to bless, someone to give to, someone to take what he had learned and pass it along, someone to disciple. Adam was obviously older than Eve. We don't know how long, maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months, we don't know. He was a bit older. He'd learned a few things including some things that had to do with a tree in the center of the garden. There were some things that he had learned that he was expected to 
pass along, to disciple her, to pour into her. He needed someone to give to, and so it is in society. I believe one of the problems that we have in our society is that men have become very, very selfish. They are not looking for people to give to. They are looking for people to take from. But God is not a taker. He's a giver. And so we as men and women made in the image of God are givers. And man had to have someone to give to. So he made him a helper. So we can look at that word a little bit differently. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. It gives us some idea of the mental power of Adam, that this was an incredible feat. It was not something small. The man had creativity. He had an incredible memory. Adam was quite a creation. But there's something even more interesting in that verse. It is verse uh, 19 of Genesis chapter 2. Most of you probably think that I said he, he brought the animals to Adam to name them. That's not what it says. It says he brought them to Adam to see what he would name them. Are you getting a bit of the relationship here? This was not just a job he had to do to get names on the animals so that he could record them in the book. This is a father who wants to see what his son is going to name this giraffe, this hippopotamus, this elephant. What are you going to name that one? I mean, we still do the same to our children today. We're very interested in how their mind works, and we're getting them, we're challenging them to go to the next level. This is the kind of father relationship that Adam has with God. And the question we're asking in this class is, how does Adam hear from God? What is it? What was his experience? And I want to pause right now. It doesn't record a lot of this experience, except later on we learn that God comes to walk with Adam in the, it says, the cool of the day. But what was Adam's experience with God, and what was that like? I want you to put yourself in that situation. I'm going to give you a few moments to think about it, and then I want you to actually uh, discuss it with, with each other, because hearing from God, what Jesus has done since he has risen from the dead and has brought us into relationship with the Father, he has redeemed this relationship. So that's why I'm taking us back to what it was originally intended so that we can get in our minds what it's supposed to be like. So let's take a moment. I want you to imagine what it was like with Adam, with God, and then we'll discuss it. So take about 30 seconds. Things come to mind. What were some words you would use to describe that relationship? Picturing yourself in the relationship 
that Adam had with God. Okay, back to our scripture. Uh, so the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God has made. We're now in chapter 3 of Genesis. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate, and she gave also to her husband some who was, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. The eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man said to his wife, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, Yes, yes, I did. No, said the woman you gave me a woman that you gave me that's right let's get this clear it's clearly not my fault it's between the woman and you why this whole problem has occurred okay there's a lot there first thing I want to comment on let's think about Eve and her temptation we had just spent some time talking about this relationship with God. And one of the things that allows us to hear from God is our attachment to him. The word attachment is coming from the research that has been done with the attachment of children and parents. And God is a good father and he wants us to attach to him. It is that attachment relationship, that bonding you may call it, that then allows us later in life it, it shapes us. It allows us later in life to handle difficulties or distress. If we're comforted appropriately, those are the types of things. It allows us to be confident. Many things happen with us, what's called a secure attachment. So God had a very secure attachment to Adam. It is the attachments that help us also make good decisions. Because we are thinking what this decision is going to do to my attachment, which is the reason when people come to Christ from the Jewish faith or a Muslim faith or any faith, 
we often look at that with surprise and we, we are just overjoyed that that has happened. Why? Because they have actually moved into a relationship away from their family attachments, which are typically very strong. Something in their mind has said, I'm going to move toward this truth. I'm going to express myself in this way. I'm going to move here, even though there's going to be a cost. And Jesus did say there was going to be a cost. My father did that, so I, I, I recognize the, what it costs people. But we're talking about attachments. Family attachments are powerful, and when they're healthy, they're, they're good. When they're used to make decisions for other people and control them, they can be very destructive. In this case, God, being a good father, had a healthy attachment with Adam. I'm questioning here, how good was his attachment with Eve? Because she seems to be the one who is targeted by Satan, I believe because she would necessarily have the weaker attachment. She's not spent as much time with him. And I actually don't, I have a problem here with people who say that Adam was standing right next to her. I've heard that often. I don't, for a couple of reasons, I don't think that was the case. One of them, if he was standing right next to her, when, Abra when Adam tried to blame her, she would have said, you're standing right there. What are you talking about? It doesn't sound like, it says he was with her, but this Hebrew with her, I mean, when I go shopping with my wife, I'm with her. Am I right next to her? Probably not. I'm over with the power tools and she's over looking at clothes or something. We're, I, but I'm with her. We've gone shopping together. That's why I don't think that he was right there with her. I think that he would have said something or that it would Satan's strategy would not have worked because the temptation was for her to be like God. Well, they were like God. They had dominion. Whatever they said went. What was happening, do you imagine, for her to be tempted? Because for someone to be tempted, they have to be lacking something. Perceived. They have to perceive there's a lack. And is it possible that Adam had his relationship with God and he wasn't actually pouring into her the way God had intended he was sort of had this relationship with God wrapped up, his buddy, and Eve was feeling a little bit on the outs. So a temptation such that you can be like God would actually put her above Adam. She was looking for some way to push herself up. And so I'm looking at this. A temptation takes in our lives because our attachment to God is weak. Sin is essentially attachment to something that is not God. It's promising to give you quite a, a ride or quite a rush or quite a bit of fun, and perhaps it does initially, but it's going to leave you farther from God. It's going to hurt your relationship with God. So God is a jealous God. He doesn't want you. To, he gives you freedom, but he's, it hurts him when we make decisions that separate him or break the attachment with him. I believe that Adam perhaps wasn't showing her quite 
the attention that God intended. He wasn't pouring into her. And so that she felt that she had found a new friend, someone who seemed very, very wise, someone who had all this experience, all this incredible knowledge about who, what, what was true and what wasn't true. And one of the things that attracts us, especially as young people, is people who are very brazen and bold, even atheists. Ooh, you can say those things and lightning didn't strike you. We're just, if we, if we grew up in a, in a conservative environment, we're very impressed with people who are dismissive and brazen and talk against God. And they just seem very powerful, very in the know. And I believe that's what Eve was faced with here. We also have to think about the brain, what it is, what it is that this chemical dopamine is triggered by novelty, right? You see a, a child, what do they look for? Shiny things. They're just looking for shiny things. Good for food. Mm. Dopamine is triggered by food, especially sweets. Your chocolate, your sweets. We. We are moving toward that. She saw your eyes are the number one of your five senses. It overrides every other sense, your visual system. She saw that it was good for food. And it was delightful to the eyes. Oh, good to make one wise. It's going to, all the dopamine is starting to move in her brain because of the talk of this talking snake, which is novel as well. Yes? You know, Eve gave it to Adam, so maybe they, she wanted them both to be God-like. She was trying to get above Adam, and she was trying to help them both out. I am just saying, maybe. Okay, the, the, so Eve gave it to Adam because she wanted him to be God-like. Uh, with, yeah, okay, could be. I, I, I have another take on that, but I like, the, I like the creative thought. I believe that she gave it to Adam because she didn't, she felt so bad. And she didn't want to feel bad alone. She knew she'd made a mistake and misery loves company. And the reason that Adam is so angry, I believe there was probably some seduction involved. A naked woman coming to you with a fruit. <laughs> There's probably something. This was now his attachment. She had moved into his attachment zone. So God was for both of them a little distant, and she now, he had attached to her, and his attachment had just done something that was going to detach from him. Anger comes from attachment pain in psychological terms. You are moving away from me, and the signal I'm getting is that I'm not valuable. And probably for Eve, it was Adam felt betrayed. God, you sent me this woman and she did this to me. She convinced me somehow that this was a good thing. So the, what I want to stop now and think about is what happened to Eve, what we can do as now Jesus has given us back everything we had before the fall. Redemption is complete. We have it all. We have trouble accessing it, 
And that's why we're here. And that's why we're learning to listen to God. But we have basically the ability to hear from God the same way Adam and Eve had before the fall. Jesus, when he died, he removed the barrier, the blockage between the father and his children. When he was raised from the dead, he said, I'm going to my father and your father, my God and your God. Now you have the same access to the father that I had when I walked on this earth, Jesus says. You can hear from him the same way. That's why we're starting here today with Adam and Eve, because I want us to imagine what this was like or what it could have been like. So I want to take a few minutes now and get you to talk with each other a bit more about perhaps ways that you could move toward God or attach to God that would help diminish or encourage your hearing from him and diminish your not hearing from him. And maybe you could have even, we can even talk about what Eve should have done in that very difficult and challenging situation. It's easy to look down at her and say, I can't believe you did that. Well, let's, let's think of some options. Let's think of some options for her. And as you think of options, you think of options also for yourself. You're in a situation, you're tempted, uh, you've been angry, your relationship doesn't seem right, you're tempted to do something that's going to fix the problem, ends up being a mess. So let's chat with each other here for a couple of minutes uh, on, those, on those topics.